It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. AJC Access Atlanta is sponsored by Northside Hospital Cancer Institute, built to beat cancer. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm here this week with Gracie Bond Staples, who is our columnist. You might have read uh, her column, uh, Life with Gracie. Um, She basically takes uh, things that are in the news and gives them a local spin. She talks to local people and gets their reaction to these stories. Or she also um, will uh, tell us about people who are making a difference in and around Metro Atlanta. Uh, so welcome, Gracie. Thank you, Shane. Uh, it's good to have you here. And uh, you brought us a story this week. Uh, tell us what it's all about. Well, it's um, it's a 3D documentary for IMAX, and it's called um, Backyard Wilderness. Mm. And it's playing at uh, the Fern Bank, and it is um, uh, a really fascinating look at... Um, our backyards right. uh, and what happens in our backyards. You know, uh, as somebody who grew up in the 50s and used to spend a lot of time outdoors uh, just because we didn't have iPhones and iPads. Right. Well, now our kids don't do that. But this film, once you see it, there is no way that you will not go outdoors and, and look around. Right, right. And that's really what this is about. Yeah, you know? so it's sort of about like, Critters and things like that. Critters, um, fish, uh, deer, uh, whatever is in our backyards. Um, And what's so fascinating about this this particular film is that you know it's it's by um, Andrew Young and his wife Susan Todd. Uh, Andrew, of course, is an award winning um, uh, filmmaker, and um, he goes outdoors. Uh, He's basically follows a little girl named Katie Mm -hmm. for an entire year as she is discovering things in her backyard. And he, he is able to position the, uh, his cameras where you can actually see things happening um, uh, as they happen. And um, that's, what's so great about the film it's right. it's really nice i mean he he looks at um you know the uh 
um, dens and nests. Uh, he looks at the, you know, the, 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 the forest floors. Uh, his, his camera is at the bottom of ponds. <laughs> so we can actually see things as they happen. That's what's so nice about it. Right. And so this is, I mean, if, if it's in our backyards, I'm, I mean, I assume that's kind of everywhere. It's not necessarily, you don't have to live out in the middle of nowhere. No, for you that. don't. No, you don't. You could live in the city. Um, I, I remember when I met Andrew to talk about the film, I actually uh, went on a trek in the backyard of the Fern Bank. Right. And um, and it was, you know, looking at the trees and it's, it's about hearing um, even you, your senses, every sense that you have, smell, taste well not taste but we didn't taste, we didn't taste anything <laughs> but we did you know you could hear the um crickets and animals you know the right. puns and and all of that listening it, it was just it was really really nice i i it's been a long time since i right. i spent a lot of time outdoors i don't hike or anything like that like i did as a kid right. but um it made me want to get back out there. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's probably a great way to encourage kids to uh, to go explore those things that, that they may not Absolutely. These days. Absolutely. In fact, that's a, that's a big part of why he did this film, to get people to go back outside right. and, and, and enjoy it and take it all in again. Right, right. It's a great learning experience. I you know, you know, I have I I have lots of critters around my backyard. I have a creek nearby. Oh, and okay. So yeah, you you get to uh, you get to experience some of that. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I mean, you know, even people who may not have necessarily their own backyard, who live in an apartment mm -hmm, or whatever, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. there's still nature nearby. I'm sure. Yeah. You. I mean, you just step outside. I mean, I know when I go on long walks, I can. I'm I'm apt to see deer. You right. know, a, a whole family, you know, right. crossing the street or something. And uh, yesterday, in fact, I was out on a walk and saw this huge turtle. Wow. I, I, have, I told my husband I almost turned back, but I figured I could <laughs> outrun a turtle, so I kept going. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> But yeah, I, I imagine this film makes you makes you notice more of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even plants. I mean, you know, um, um, uh, I don't have a green thumb, but um, you 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 get to see um, plants, um, and they start to the, the colors, and you know, one of the things that we always. Uh, uh, pay particular attention to is when the foliage turns in the fall. Yeah, and um, and 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 um, that's always fascinating. And I, I think Andrew, um, those are the kinds of things that he really um zeroes in on, and and you, the things that you take for granted that are there. Right, and you don't really think about. Sure, you know, because nowadays, because you're you know, more focused on your cell phone or your iPad right. or, or we're just watching television. Right. But um, you can go outdoors and um, just, you know, I, I think you, you it starts to make you feel alive and make you want to live again. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I really, really would recommend uh, parents in particular take their kids to see this film. Right. Yeah, and you know, if if absolutely necessary, you can take your phone with you and take pictures of some of the things that you see. Yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs>
you might want to do that, in fact. Right. Okay, so the, the name of the film is Backyard Wilderness, uh, and that is at Fernbank yeah. Museum of Natural History. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, how long is that running? It's it's showing now. It actually opened March 23rd, and it will be showing through August the 2nd um, at 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m., and then there's some after-dark shows that are showing um, uh, May 11th and June 8th. All right. Well, terrific. Well, let's uh, hear what uh, Backyard Wilderness is all about. I'm Gracie Bond-Staples, and I'm here with Andrew Young, uh, director of Backyard Wilderness. Thanks for sitting down to talk to me about this. Sure. And I'm not the Andrew Young most of you are probably thinking of, <laughs> right. but a different one. Yes. Um, so I, I wanted to start off by talking to you a little bit about the moment you conceived this idea. What were you doing? Where were you? And how did it evolve in your mind? Well, it definitely evolved. I don't know if there was one moment. There were definitely a series of moments. Um, I know that one of them, um, my wife and I were, were sitting outside just taking a relaxing moment and we heard this sort of high-pitched scream and I thought to myself, that sounds like a wood duck. And the next thing I knew, there was a pair of wood ducks flying right over our house and the female went into a hole in an oak tree uh-huh. that is literally right over our house. Uh-huh. And I didn't know the hole was there. But at that moment, I realized there's a wood duck nest right over our house. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up filming it for a nature program about Mm -hmm. ducks Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. And in the process, I discovered that something incredible was happening right next to our house that I was never aware of, which Uh is when wood ducklings hatch, they have to get from this nest, which is way up in the tree, down to the ground. And they Uh do it by making this uh, death-defying leap. And um, that was an incredibly dramatic thing to witness. And so when we were making Backyard Wilderness, Mm -hmm. that was kind of the idea that inspired Backyard Wilderness, Mm -hmm. is that there are these incredible things going on all around us, but we've kind of lost touch with it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're on our devices, or, you know, television sort of teaches us that, that wild nature is only far, far away. You have to go to Alaska or Africa or something. And yet these amazing things are happening right here at home. And so we wanted to turn our camera on those things and make people aware of how wonderful nature is right around us. Now, did did you have one of those nostalgic moments when you thought about growing up and playing in the backyard. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, but so so I made this together with my wife Susan Todd. We're partners, uh-huh. filmmaking partners, and we also have two children together. Uh-huh. And raising two kids in the digital age, we realized it's comp- they're growing up completely differently right. than uh, we were when we were kids. And that was another sort of aha moment. Uh-huh. We realized that something was happening like on a society level. But nobody was really talking about it. Like kids were growing up completely differently. And, you know, we were outside as kids, you know, catching snakes and <laughs> frogs and, you know, just playing games, building forts. And kids today aren't doing that as much. Right. And, you know, the great conservationists that, that have done the most amazing things in this century, they all had experiences in nature when they were kids. And I started thinking... Who's going to do that in the next generation? You know, if they don't really appreciate 
the magic of it and also what it gives us in terms of clean water and clean air. Um, so we wanted to do create something that would inspire a new generation of yeah. outsiders. And yet, some this is sort of new for you, right? This kind of film, the giant uh, screen yeah, medium, is yeah. new for us. This is our first, right? So, how did you make the leap, and how difficult was that? Well, uh, it was definitely a leap, and <laughs> <laughs> and there was definitely a learning curve. Okay. But you know, I'm uh, I'm both a director and a cinematographer, mm -hmm. so so camera stuff is kind of my life, and thinking about uh, thinking visually is what I do and so you know there's what's not to be exciting about the most visual medium out there right. you know the giant screen draws you in uh, you know as an audience person in a way that no other visual medium can mm -hmm. so I was very excited about the chance to use that and because our film is about giving people an experience you know it's it's worth saying that the giant screen is usually used to take people to places they will never go, right. like the top of Mount Everest or the bottom of the ocean. And so people were like, well, wh why do you want to use it like in your backyard? Right. You know, you want to what? You want to film like Blue Jays and raccoons with an <laughs> IMAX camera? You're crazy. And but that wasn't the point. The mm -hmm. point was to get people to see these animals in a way that they've never seen them before. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, realize the wonder that's actually right here at home. Right. And, and what was uh, some of the your largest challenges for making it? Well, we were trying to capture things in a very intimate way, very unusual way. You know, usually you do you film wildlife through um, a long telephoto lens and hiding in a blind. And we certainly did do um, plenty of that. But we really wanted to get the camera very close to our subjects. Mm -hmm so that the audience had the feeling of being in their world. Right. And so that meant being in the raccoon den with the mother nursing her little kids, or in the den with the coyote pups, or in the bottom of the vernal pool where the salamanders are mating. And we really wanted the audience to feel like they were there and they were in the animal's world. And that's harder to do. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of special equipment, remote control cameras, Things don't always go as planned. Uh, so there are definitely, your patience gets tried right, doing right. something like this. Do you have a favorite part from? You know, there are, this, this, so we ended up filming the wood ducks uh -huh. and the scene of the 13 ducklings leaping, you know, from 50 feet up in the tree is definitely one of my favorite moments because it's got just some spectacular uh, slow motion of them. You know, just, it's, it's amazing that they just know what to do. They can't fly, uh -huh. they're less, they're a day old. Um, and so they just have to trust that, uh, but their mom is down there calling to them and they go. Mm -hmm. And they just, they, it's instinctual, they know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful to watch. Um, there are other moments too that I, I think are special to me. Uh, you know, watching, um, watching a caterpillar turn into a chrysalis and then emerge as a butterfly, you know, in the space of about, 20 seconds, there's something magical about it. Or seeing um, young coyotes learn about the forest, you know, chase a butterfly. It, you realize that we're all, we're all animals. Mm -hmm. And the, what we do is we, we have humans in our mm -hmm. film too. I mean, it's a nature film, but there's a human family at the center of it mm -hmm. because it's really about the plants and animals are, around a suburban home. Yeah. And so we wanted 
people to see just how close uh, the animals are to where we live. I mean, sometimes they're, they're closer than we would like. Like, we, like we even follow the mice that live inside the house and build their nest in the walls. And you know, we can all the while overhear the human conversation. And so we get to know the family and there's an 11 year old girl in the family. And this is all inspired by our own kids. Uh -huh. And the 11 year old girl, the story is, is about a year in nature, a seasonal year, but it's also, this is the year that she learned to see beyond the glow of her iPad to the wonders of nature all around her. And so it is, it's a very personal story uh, for her because she, she gets it. She has a, a series of experiences um, that sort of draw her out into the wilderness, and she's a changed person by the end. Yeah, but but the focus was in her backyard, right? It's yes. Yeah, it's her but backyard. but we can find these wonders everywhere. Everywhere, right? right? Right here in Atlanta, all of the animals that we that are our stars mm -hmm. are, live right around here in suburban Atlanta. Like, well, we've got um, our the main animals in our film are uh, blue jay, mm -hmm. deer. Raccoon, coyote, uh, tiger swallowtail, butterfly, spotted salamander, right. wood frog, they all live around here. And we purposefully chose really common animals because, you know, we tend to write these things off like, oh, yeah, that's a blue jay. I, I, I know all about them. Or raccoons, oh, you know, they just they get into our garbage. They're a real pain. What we wanted to do was to show the relationship between these animals so that you realize that it's an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just uh, species, you know, critters making our lives miserable. They're actually part of a functioning system, and we depend on that system too for our survival. So we wanted to sort of draw the connections between things in a way that kids could uh, appreciate. Yeah, well, can you tell me why the, 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 there's a lot of deer around where I live? Yes. I didn't even plant my pansies this year yeah, because of the deer. I know, I know. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot going on out there that's not all good. And what you're bringing up is a real population imbalance. It's because we created the perfect environment for deer. We created something that deer like a hundred times more than the natural forest that was here before we humans moved in. Um, there, the, the deer population was at a very modest level back in those days but now humans come in yeah. and we create this thing called suburbia which creates lots of edges between forest and uh and lawns and stuff and in those edges grow all the things that deer love to eat many of them are things that we plant um, but even the other plants that colonize the edges of forests deer love them and so their their population is through the roof you know it's not all it's not all in perfect balance out there by any means, and the deer situation is problematic. But now you've got predators coming in, and you know people are kind of distraught. Now there are coyotes here, um, but this is nature's way of taking care of imbalances. And so we try to show that, that it's a system. What do you hope people will take away from, from this? I, I think that the we designed the film to to get people to see things almost as if it was for the first time. So we put a lot of effort into how we film things mm -hmm. um, so that the simplest thing that was maybe only a stone's throw from your window, you realize actually how much majesty it is. I mean, you know, we've got a, 
a bumblebee, just visiting a piece of clover on a lawn. Um, and when filmed in close up and slow motion, it looks like the most incredible orchid and the bumblebee looks like the most amazing creature you've ever seen. And you realize just the detail and majesty of what's there when you stop and look. And you also realize that we're connected to that stuff and we need it for our own health. So what do you think keeps us from getting outdoors and um, enjoying all of this majesty? I well, we, uh, we live in the age of the personal screen. That's one thing. I mean, uh, we have the most incredible technology as humans, and yet the, the survey results say that uh, we're less happy than we were 50 years ago. And something's not right there. And it doesn't mean that it's all technology's fault. I think it's just that we have created technology and it's our master. Mm -hmm. And we need to be the master of the technology. Mm -hmm. So we've created these phones that they beep and they whistle and they're, they've got bright screen colors. And those things scientists have shown cause endorphins to be released into our blood. It, they cause pleasure and so we can't put them down. And that is a problem especially for kids. Yeah. And what happens in nature is that in nature, things are complicated. When, when we look at our phones, we're getting uh, man-made content, and it's sti very stimulating. Mm -hmm. You want to push the next button always, mm -hmm. but it doesn't often cause you to ask questions, mm -hmm. and being in nature causes you to ask questions, like, you know, why, why does that leaf look like that, or what will happen if I pour water down this ant hole? You know, it's all, what kids do when they explore in nature is a really important part of their intellectual development. It's been learned. And that's what we're missing out on. The, the good news is that the technology can actually help us connect with nature. And we cover that in our film as well because our, our young protagonist, Katie, the 11-year-old girl who, who begins to um, discover what's around her, she is just as screen obsessed as any other kid. You know, she's on Instagram, she's taking pictures of things, but she learns that she can use that um, to identify what she's seeing and share it with her friends. Mm -hmm. So like now there's an app out, um, which is actually part of our educational outreach, um, that, that you can photograph something, a kid can take a picture of something and it'll help them figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. And then you can share that picture and be a part of a community of young scientists basically discovering what's around you. And the really cool thing is that real scientists are, can actually use that data to get a more accurate picture of what animals and plants live where. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about the app you mentioned. Where do you, where do you, yeah, where is it's, it? it's, it's called um, Seek by iNaturalist, mm -hmm. so S-E-E-K. Uh -huh. um, there are other things out there called Seek, but this is Seek by iNaturalist. iNaturalist is the, the parent app. That was actually created by scientists mm -hmm. for the purpose of identifying anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a, a squirrel, a spider, a leaf, what kind of tree it is. Um, so they created um, uh, sort of a kid-friendly version of that, and that's what this, the Seek is. And you can get it from your i. It, you your can get it from iTunes. iTunes. You can uh -huh. download it if you put in Seek by iNaturalist. Mm -hmm. um, and this was all created by um, 
the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, who, which is the largest funder of science education actually now in the U.S. And so they uh, collaborated with us on this on Backyard Wilderness because they saw the great potential for, I think that the film does excite people and it, you, get, have an, you have an emotional response. I think when you see a year sort of unfold in, you know, in 40 minutes in front of your eyes and you also see how young Katie has grown yeah. through her connection. Um, it, it, it really gets people. They're, they're often tearing up oh. by the end of it. And, and I hope that the response is that they will, next time they'll have, they have an opportunity, they're going to want to go out and sort of take a fresh look at what's around them. And things like the Seek app mm -hmm. will help people because you can engage if you ask yourself, well, what is that exactly? What plant is that that's growing there? To get the answer to that, all of a sudden it pulls you in and engages you, and then you're part of a community. You share it with other people. You learn who else saw it and what other places. And it's just it's a kind of cool thing that I, I really hope kids engage with. Mm -hmm. so, the, so the tech doesn't have to all be bad. It can actually be, you know, we can tell it what we want it to do for us, and this is a really cool thing that it can do for us. Okay. And the, um, so it took exactly one year to make? Well, no. no. I wish it, was, it had gone that quickly. Um, it, it, it spans it, a year. It but portrays a year. Okay. Um, How long did it take to make? It took us about four years to make. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We, we had been thinking about, I think we had the idea for um, probably close to 15 years. But, but once we really, we had some funding and an opportunity to move forward with it, uh, it was four years in the making. Right. And that's because many things in nature, they, the seasons actually pass very quickly when you're trying to capture specific things. Like there's you know, a mating ritual that happens uh, with spotted salamanders that may only happen on two nights of the year, of the entire year. If you miss those two nights, you have to wait a whole year. And that, this was a major... Two nights yes. to get it on. Yes. To, the, <laughs> it, it happens like on the first rain of spring. Sometimes there's still snow on the ground. It's when things have, are, are just thawing out and there's the first big spring rain. These spotted salamanders wriggle up. They've been hiding underground and they begin this massive migration through the woods, which looks incredible. When you see it on the big screen, it's hard to believe that it's really happening, like right out behind our houses and stuff, but it is. And they have to cross roads and do all this stuff. And they're all trying to get to the exact same pool. They're called vernal pools, these temporary pools of water in the forest. They all go back to exactly the same place where they hatched from eggs. And they meet up in the bottom of this pool and they mate and they lay their eggs. And this only would happen really over two nights. And if it, uh, one or two nights, it's usually that first rain that brings most of them out. Mm -hmm. And if you miss that, it's a whole year you have to wait. So that's why some of these things we had to revisit more than you know, one year at a time. You mentioned um, the, the, the film evoking tears and, and that must make you feel really good to, to move people that way. It's gratifying. And you know what, I still get choked up when I watch it. And mm -hmm. I, you know, when, you, when you make a film, you um, you have to see it so many times, and it's it becomes sort of an object, a technical object that you've been struggling with. Like, oh my gosh, it was so hard getting the color right on that shot, or you know, I you know, this shot was such a struggle to get. But um, 
so you don't get the luxury of seeing it the way the audience does, where they're really just taking it in for the first time. But I still kind of get choked up a little bit at the end. I think it's because it, I think there's something in the film that awakens a nostalgia uh, in a lot of us about our own childhoods mm -hmm. and some of the things that we discovered. And also, we do, we're, we've so overscheduled our lives that we literally don't stop to smell the roses. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that theater and you, know, you have the luxury of sitting there and having it all brought in front of you in the most beautiful way, you can't help but see just how amazing it really is. And I think that is very emotional for people. Yeah. And you, you see the impact on young Katie's life. Right, and I think that's right, touching right. too. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like that when I'm, I get up very early in the morning and mm -hmm. it's quiet and you can hear the crickets and the, you know, even just to hear a car go down the street early in the morning, it just does something to you because you know that's the circle of life yes uh, happening. and and that's actually what it is in mm -hmm. the film because mm -hmm. the film ends just as the same you know it, it kind of begins as spring the spring plants are coming up from the right. ground and winter is melting away and that's how it ends is the cycle is continuing right. and you know we even death is in there too we uh -huh. have um you know that was a tricky thing to handle but i think we did it very tastefully to show that this is part of life. Mm -hmm. And it actually is the, the death of some that allow others to grow. And I, I think it's done in a very organic way mm -hmm. uh, using time lapse. And um, I think that is actually something that gives it emotional weight at the end is you see how beautiful it all is. Is, is there anything else you'd like for people to know about the film, about you, that maybe my questions didn't prompt? You know, the what science has shown us is that nature, it, you know, it's, it's not just about enjoyment. It's actually good for us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just good for our souls. It's good for our bodies. Mm -hmm. And there's amazing data out there that, you know, people who have trees outside their window or at least visit a park mm -hmm. once a week mm -hmm. have uh, lower blood pressure, mm -hmm. less incidence of um, disease and even um, there was one study where they looked where people lived how far they were from parks and um, they were able to uh, correct for all these factors and they were able to see that people who were closer to trees and nature actually earned more income and had less medical expenses and wow. the surveyed as being happier um, now you know, not all of us can necessarily afford to live in a place that's right by a park, but we all have ways to get to these places. Right. And um, it's, science is starting to tell us that we really need it. It's yeah. good for us. We need to get back to nature. Yeah, we do. I yeah. mean, it sounds cliche, yeah. but it's true. Yeah. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. She isn't even the headliner, but never miss a chance to hear one of popular music's greatest voices. Mavis Staples is always worth your time, and she'll be playing at South Bolton's Wolf Creek Amphitheater on May 11th with Buddy Guy. Even if you don't know her name, you've probably heard her voice. Soulful and earthy, that voice powered the music of the Staples Singers, a quartet made up of her father and sisters. They had a string of hits in the 1970s, including timeless songs like Respect Yourself and I'll Take You There. Since the death of her father in 2000, 
less than a year after the Staple Singers were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Mavis has focused on her solo career, which, back in the 90s, included a couple of albums produced by Prince. Her latest album, If All I Was Was Black, released in November 2017, was written and produced by Wilco's Jeff Tweedy. Mavis Staples will be opening the show for Buddy Guy, himself a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and hugely influential guitarist who is still going strong at 81. Tickets are $48.50 to $88.50, and you can get those and more info on the show at wolfcreekamphitheater.com. Live from here, which used to be known as Prairie Home Companion, is the only live music and variety radio show currently being aired nationally. And under new host Chris Thiele, it has been injected with fresh energy and a more modern feel without losing that folksy, friendly vibe that kept it going for 43 seasons. Thiele is now in his second and first full season of hosting the show, and he'll bring it to the Fox Theater on May 19th. He first appeared on A Prairie Home Companion when he was just 15 years old and was a regular guest on the program for years. When Live From Here comes to Atlanta, the guests will include Father John Misty and the always incredible Nico Case. And for you Nico Case fans who can't make it to this one, she'll be back with her own headlining tour in the fall, stopping in Atlanta on September 13th at Variety Playhouse. Live From Here is at the Fox Theater at 5.45 p.m. on May 19th, and those tickets are $35 to $85. You can find out more at foxtheater.org. Now in its 16th year, the Kirkwood Spring Fling and Tour of Homes is a neighborhood festival based in Bessie Branham Park. It highlights this historic part of Atlanta east of downtown. The festival begins with a 5K race and continues through the day with an artist market and a barbecue competition. They'll also have live music and a kids area. Admission is free, but you'll have to purchase a ticket for the Kirkwood Tour of Homes. While Kirkwood is heavily residential, there are some great restaurants in the area, and some of them will be showcasing their food during the event. So check out the Kirkwood Spring Fling from 10 a.m. until 8 p.m. May 19th at Bessie Brenham Park at 2051 Delano Drive and the Kirkwood Tour of Homes happening noon to 5 p.m. May 19th and 20th. Get all the details at kirkwoodfling.com. The Alliance Theater and the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra are teaming up for a production of the Leonard Bernstein musical Candide, based on the satirical novel by Voltaire. When it first opened on Broadway in 1956, it was a box office failure that starred the late great Atlantan Barbara Cook. It would later get a more successful run, and its reputation has grown in stature over the years since its debut. The music in Candide is as complex and varied as the novel which serves as its source. It runs from May 9th through May 20th, and tickets are $10 to $75. You can get those at alliancetheater.org. The Modern Dance Atlanta Festival is back for 24th year. Established by Douglas Scott and Full Radius Dance, the event showcases work from seven choreographers over two nights in the Balzer Theater at Herons. Lee Harper, founding director of Lee Harper and Dancers, will receive the fourth annual Pioneer of Atlanta Dance Award, and a dance will be performed in her honor on May 12th. Harper's been artist-in-residence at Woodward Academy since 1992. Over more than three decades, she has inspired and taught thousands of children, choreographed productions for some leading Southeastern arts organizations, and directed her own troupe of professional dancers. The Modern Atlanta Dance Festival performances take place at 8 p.m. May 11th and 12th at the Balzer Theater at Herons, which is at 84 Lucky Street in downtown Atlanta. 
General admission tickets are $25 and $20 for ages 12 and under, senior citizens, and working artists. Those tickets are available at fullradiusdance.org. For more things to do around Metro Atlanta, head to accessatlanta.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, podcast edited by Ryan Horn, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. AJC Access Atlanta is sponsored by Northside Hospital Cancer Institute, built to beat cancer. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, The Monica Pearson Show. When you look at what you've become, what has it cost you? Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most powerful influencers, as you've never heard them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.